Mr. Mac. Thank you so much Hi, for Emma. being on the show. Hello. Um, so I'm so excited to talk with you because we're going to be talking about love today. And I really, really wanted to have you on the show because I feel like thinking about the people I've encountered and um, people that I've met, I feel like you stand out as somebody who really embodies love and that I really feel like, wow, like whenever I have a conversation with you or um, interact with you, I'm just struck by, wow, I really I really felt loved. Um, and my oh. sister has felt that, and I'm sure classmates have felt that as well. And so um, I guess the first question I have for you is, I feel like that's a really special impact to have on somebody. And I feel like not many people um, are able to like have that visceral impact on somebody. So I was just wondering, is that something that has been kind of natural for you or is it something that you've really intently worked on? Mm. Great question. And um, first, I'm really honored that you asked me to, to have this conversation with you. It's, it's um, got to be in my top five favorite topics. And maybe it's number one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, first, I would say that I really got clear in my 30s that that was my purpose in life, was mm -hmm. to be love in the world in such a way that when I when I encountered you, Emma, mm -hmm. um, you would know that you were loved, that you were lovable, that you were beautiful. I just knew that was my purpose. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, there's a part of me intellectually that thinks it is a natural thing because our essence is love. Mm -hmm. Whoever, whatever created the world or out of which the world came, I am convinced that it was love or something like it. So that's my essence. That's what I'm made of. That's my core. Um, I do think a lot of, of things happen in our lives um, around family and society that, um, that put layers and layers of, of dirt, if you will, on top mm -hmm. of our essence. So we have a hard time seeing right. that beauty that's at our core. Um, but I think that's at our core. So I do think it's actually a natural way of being. Mm. Um, however, for me, when I look back at my life, I see all sorts of um, like this hunger for love as if it wasn't present as a little boy being really hungry for love and doing things to try and earn love. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually it, it led to some really serious suffering for me because I was really vulnerable to people who would take advantage of that. And um but here's the thing that I discovered when I really started looking into the impact of, of those abuses in my life is that um, instead of, of, of like building a wall around myself to protect myself from harm, or instead of, of um, crawling into a corner and just dying, which would have been really understandable, mm -hmm. um, there was something in me, what saved my life was, was this yearning to um, experience love. That yearning was so deep, so profound that I couldn't stop looking for love. Right. Um, and so I stayed in relationship with people. I stayed open and vulnerable. Um, and eventually I started to discover that I, I know how to love myself mm -hmm. and that I am lovable. Um, so I would say that um, for me, suffering broke me open and uh, probably increased my capacity 
for um, loving you mm-hmm. and loving everybody else in my life. Yeah. Wow. I feel like what you mentioned was what struck out was the suffering that was connected to love, because I feel mm-hmm. like lots of people view love as something that's like always positive but it feels like Mm -hmm. what you mentioned was there's a sense of vulnerability and a sense of suffering um connected to love do you think that connection is like always there between suffering and love wow um that's that's a real i don't know that i've thought about that i know as i've said for me my capacity as a lover is connected to the suffering I experienced. Mm -hmm. And I do think that um, I'm not the only one Mm -hmm. who's become a better lover in response to suffering. For me, um, exploring my suffering and trying to understand how it impacted my life and why it happened helped me to develop compassion Mm -hmm. for other people who are struggling in their life. Right. But I also, I, I think, out of humility, I have to acknowledge I don't, I don't know that everyone will need suffering in order to come to um, that that um, loverness in themselves. Yeah. You know. Now I'm also a, a, a big believer that um, Siddhartha Buddha was right when he said life is dukkha, life is dissatisfaction. We are, as human beings, just naturally dissatisfied. And that dissatisfaction is connected to our yearning, our, our attachment to our desires, and that the way out of that suffering is to release our attachment mm. to our desires, even when that desire is for love. So for me, um, as a boy, I was so hungry for love, in part because I sensed there was this lack of love. I sensed, or I, I kind of made meaning of things that happened in my life, um, and I made the meaning to be Tom McLaughlin isn't lovable. Mm-hmm. Um, I made meaning of that. And so then I started clinging to any, any um, act of love that anyone would show me, any word of love that they would give me. And so I was clinging to that. And that caused me suffering. Mm-hmm. I don't think that everyone is in that same place that I was. Mm-hmm. There are some people who um, don't, ever questioned their lovability or their goodness. So maybe they don't need suffering to break them open. Right. Um, I, 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 so I guess I'd say I'd, I can't say everyone needs to suffer in order to love. Mm, makes sense. Um, I, one thing that stuck out was the quote, or I'm just going to mention your book, 100 Ways to Love Yourself. Um, I recently read that and... Mm. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I've, I made a Google, a Google Doc and I copy and pasted things I wanted to, like the journal prompts and then activities that mm. stuck out to me. Um, so I'll talk about that later. But one quote that stuck out to me was, I am essentially lovable simply because I exist. And yeah. I was just thinking, because you've mentioned that when you were younger, you felt like a lack of love and this yearning for love. And then I've definitely felt like that a little bit in my life as well, where I feel like Mm -hmm. almost unlovable or like, what is the point, you know? So I feel like um, with that quote, I'm essentially lovable simply because I exist. 
what would you say to people who just don't believe that? That's a, that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I would do is say that I, I've been in that spot where I didn't believe it. And even at times when I intellectually accepted it was true because I heard it from somebody or I read it in a book, deep down, I knew that I doubted it. And my own actions towards myself and towards others in the world um, gave evidence to the fact that I really didn't believe it deep down. So first, I would say I get it. I get it um, because I, I've also believed that was true. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as I often do with with any, say, theological idea that, that gets presented to me, I take it to nature. Mm-hmm. And I look at, at um, all of nature on this planet and in the universe, and, and I see what nature reflects back to me. What does it say in response to this question? And all I can say is, even in my brokenness, I am in awe of the beauty of this planet. Um, I mean, I go up to uh, Mount Rainier or, or um, the, the people around the mountain used to call it Tahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, is like three hours from here, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, three and a half hour drive to the entrance of Mount Rainier National Park. And when I get up there, I sometimes I laugh out loud, just, just spontaneously start laughing because I'm in the, in the presence of this beauty and I'm in, I'm in utter awe. Mm. of its power and its beauty and that that um is that has been here for so long Mm -hmm. it's a part of the earth it is um relatively unaffected by by human beings relatively Mm -hmm. unaffected um and its beauty is to me it's just undeniable now, talk to somebody else. They feel the same thing when they go to the Grand Canyon or they go out into the desert country, uh, maybe in uh, southern Utah, or when they're on the, on the ocean. They feel that awe and the presence of beauty. Look out at the night sky. Look through a, a telescope. Look at all of the images that are coming back from the Hubble um, Space Telescope. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there are so many people who are in awe of this beauty. It is undeniable. Mm-hmm. And that's my doorway in to um, this idea that I am essentially lovable and so are you. Mm. Um, beauty and love are so strongly connected, I think. And um, so that to me, I guess, is, is um, well, it's where I've gone with to answer your question. So I guess I, that's what I hope I would do yeah. with someone who said that to me. Oh, yeah, I really love that. It feels like even in the depths of darkness or if you feel unlovable, seek seek love or seek beauty to kind of inspire you. And it seems kind of grounding to to visually see that or to, yeah, see it in person or even just look it up and see like this exists. And so maybe I'm capable of this as well. You know, I would also say though that um, one of the most loving things we can do for ourselves in any given moment is to pay attention to our own thoughts, mm-hmm. our own emotions, and the sensations in our body, and then accept whatever is true for us in that moment without any judgment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I define what mindfulness is, right. is, is that recognition and acceptance. 
Um, to pay attention to someone is to love someone. That's the greatest gift we can give. So in a moment when someone says, I don't feel lovable, I'm not going to come in and say you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to honor the fact that in this moment, that's how you feel. That's what you think. Mm-hmm. And blessed be. Mm-hmm. I'm with you right now. In this moment, you don't have to change for me. Right. And I've been there. This is the beauty I see. This is how it leads me to feel lovable, to feel my own beauty. Mm-hmm. So first is acknowledging right where you are is legit. Yeah. I feel like that's that kind of ties into radical self-acceptance and also compassion yeah. as well. Because, yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge, like, I might be feeling really terrible right now or I have these thoughts and not to flee away from that and just it's hard to acknowledge that um but if we're able to accept it i feel like we're able to open ourselves up to love yeah yeah i i completely agree and i love that um that term you use radical self-acceptance mm. yeah. i love that term radical mm-hmm. when it comes to this topic yeah i recently took this past term a class on radical self-love and Wow. Yeah, that's why I'm so interested in this concept of of love and its impacts and, and everything about that. Because when I took that class, I was thinking, like, what's so radical about love? You know, like, why would that be radical in a sense? But it seems like, in reality, a lot of people might not love themselves or our society or our constructs or certain things might make it so that... Um, you might not see yourself or you might not like yourself in a certain way because you don't see yourself reflected. And so loving yourself is kind of an act saying, despite this, I still love myself. And that's why that's radical. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of Tara Brock? Mm-mm. Tara Brock. Yeah. She has a, um, she may have written a book by this title. I know that I've heard some um, audio of a presentation on um i think it's i think it is radical self-acceptance so check her out and um and see what you think mm-hmm. and if you get a chance to listen to her speak her voice is really really soothing mm-hmm. and um uh not a putting you to sleep type soothing but it's kind of like this woman knows what she's talking about mm-hmm. okay. cool. i'll definitely check her out yeah okay um And I guess the next thing I want to ask is, can you describe a time when you truly, like, felt loved? I think um, one moment that I didn't necessarily think of the word love, and yet it's what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was walking on um, the beach at, at Manzanita mm-hmm. on the Oregon coast, and I was, um, I don't remember that I was praying or meditating intentionally. I was just enjoying this walk, and I was walking north along the beach, so I had Neocani Mountain in front of me. It was a cloudy day, mm-hmm. uh, so there was a little bit of wind, and, and the dunes were to my right, and the and the dune grass was was uh, um, dancing in the wind. I could hear the the waves crashing to my left. Um, and I, I'd been there and 
done this walk numerous, numerous times. But all of a sudden, I became aware of my connection to all things. Now, I have intellectually accepted that all is one. I don't know when I accepted that, but, but it was a belief that I embraced many, many, many years before this moment. In that moment, though, it shifted from this intellectual belief into a knowing in my bones. It's like there was every cell of my being just knew it. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't an intellectual thing. It was like I was experiencing my connection to all things, to the breath that I was bringing in, to the birds, to the grasses, to the mountain, to the sea, everything. And I just knew it as never before. And that knowing, that mystical experience, probably lasted only two or three breaths. That's it. It wasn't a long thing. But it, it has stayed with me all these years later as something that affirms my connection to, my inseparable connection to beauty mm-hmm. and to the love that is at the heart of everything, I think. Um, so that was like, that was uh, one of my most powerful experiences. Now, of course, I can also go to um, experiences with my wife, Rebecca, of just being profoundly moved by this woman who's uh, um, the love of my life. As she embraces me and cherishes me, and I mean, it brings me to tears. Many, many moments of feeling loved by her. Um, and even moments of, of loving myself. I once, um, in fact, it's in the book. Um, I think it's, it's activity 100 and it's make a list of 100 things you love about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I did this activity in a, in a motel room. Actually it was in Manzanita, not the same trip, but different trip. And I, I lit a little tea light candle for every thing that I could identify. And pretty soon this room is illuminated by all of this light. And that was such a profound act of love where I felt the love Mm -hmm. um, for my own self. I love that so much. I loved, yeah, I love that so much. I loved how you brought up the, like the beach example and also like your relationship and also your self love. And uh, when you mentioned the candle lighting activity, I had to stop when I was reading that book and was just like imagining that. And I was just amazed by even the image of that and how um, that's such an amazing act of love for yourself. And I feel like w- making up 100 things that you love about yourself and then lighting a candle to represent each one is such a beautiful image. Yeah. It was, it was a profound experience for me. But there are simple things we can do, like even touching our own face, placing the palm of our hand on our cheek in this caress. I mean, we know how powerful it is when another person does this for us. When someone cups my face, I mean, I'm getting teary just, just remembering the times when someone has done that. It's such an intimate act. Mm-hmm. Well, when I put my hand on my face intentionally feeling the, the, the hand on my face in this gentle act, I feel that love coming through that, that action. Or even a, um, 
a really sometimes it seems kind of silly, but actually wrapping my own arms around myself <laughs> in an embrace um, is another really powerful way of of experiencing the love that is there. Um, when I read through the book, I would do those things to like caressing my cheek and like hugging myself and it has immediate effects. I feel like, mm. yeah, it's amazing. Um, and thinking back on your book, 100, 100 different ways to love yourself. I was just wondering um, what kind of sparked that idea and what was the process like of coming up with these ideas? When I was in my 30s, I really began, no, actually I was back in my 20s when I, I um, like really hit a brick wall. Mm -hmm. I'd been, you know, when I look back at my high school and college and, and after college into the Air Force, going into the Air Force, it was like my, my resume was impeccable. It was like I was the all-American everything. Mm -hmm. And then at 23, it's like I hit this brick wall and I couldn't keep it up. Um, I didn't have the energy to keep being the All-American. Mm -hmm. So I really started to explore what happened. Who was I? And that was really about the first time that I started asking this question, who am I? Mm -hmm. Separate from who I'm trying to be in order to earn my father's love or my mother's love or the world's um, um, love or acceptance, who am I? And that's really where this, this 100 Ways began is by intentionally looking at my own self and my own story. That was an act of love. Mm -hmm. I was paying attention to myself. So that um, intentional journey lasted for uh, a number of years. And, um, you know, through all sorts of, of really difficult times and beautiful times. Um, but I just, I came to discover in that search that I, I wasn't treating myself with love. And I discovered that I, I at, the, at the root, um, I did not believe I was lovable. And I think that shocked me because I, I'd heard like so many other people that we're all lovable. Um, if you grow up in a, in a home that, that believes in God, then you've probably heard time and again, God loves you. Um, and I heard that too. But when I, when I realized, oh my God, I don't treat myself as if that's true. Um, I really started intentionally doing things to, to change that. Um, I'm not sure when the idea of writing the book happened. I know like that incident, um, incident, that activity of being in the motel room and lighting the candles that happened when I was in a relationship that was going through a difficult, a difficult period, a romantic relationship. And I, I really just wanted to do something that was not dependent upon my partner um, telling me that she loved me or telling me that I'm beautiful. I thought I can do this for myself. So I think, um, you know, I, I don't remember when the idea for the book first take, uh, uh, took hold in me, but it was a culmination of doing the love um, over years and years, trying to, to hand, uh, get to know my own self and, and heal my own woundedness. And it felt like I'd learned a lot and I had something to share. And there were a lot of other people out in the world who were also hurting. In fact, the title of the book, um, and I can't remember if this was in the first edition or, or it was, you know, when I revised it or edited it later, 
Um, it's 100 Ways to Love Yourself and Why It Matters to All of Us. Mm. So I, I became convinced that a lot of the trouble in the world is the result of people lashing out of their own woundedness. Mm -hmm. They don't know they're lovable. They're not treating themselves as if they're lovable. And the result is they do things in the world that are harmful. So there was this sense based on all that I'd learned on my own journey that I had something to offer that might lead to some healing for other people and hopefully then decrease the amount of, of pain and suffering that we create in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was wondering, because I feel like after having conversations about love and like reading different books and everything, I kind of have more of an understanding why love is so like important, but I can definitely see why people, whenever they think about love, might be kind of cynical of it or dismissive of it because it seems kind of abstract. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so... Yeah, so just thinking about their perspective, like, why do you think that self-love is important, especially to people who might think it might be, like, self-absorbed or just dismiss it? Right. I believe that, and it's not just an intellectual belief, again, too, it's, it's my experience, mm -hmm. that what we human beings most long for is love. Mm. And I don't, I don't just mean receiving it from someone else or even from our own selves. I think it's in the giving of it. Um, I believe that it's that because love of our, is our nature, the nature of love is to, is to be creative, mm. is to, um, is to grow, is to flourish, is to share. I mean, all you have to do again is look at, look at nature and look at the bees right now. The, the honeybees are really starting to get active and they're flying from flower to flower, and they're picking up pollen, and they're, they're taking it, and they're pollinating all around the earth. That's the nature of love, is to create and to share. So, um, oh gosh, now I've forgotten the question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why why self-love is so important? Yes. Or, or yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just our very nature and there's there that that essence of us wants to be expressed and wants to create in the world. That's its nature. And so when we suppress it, um, either out of our woundedness and our fear of being wounded again, or um, you know we've been hurt so many times and now we're angry. Mm -hmm. I think what we end up doing is denying our own nature, mm -hmm. which is love. I also think part of what is confusing is that. Um, People often hear love and they think of the feeling. Mm. And they look out in the world and they say, I don't see much evidence of this, this feeling. Or they, they check inside themselves and they say, I don't, I don't feel much love and I don't feel love from this person. Mm. But love is not a feeling. Feeling is evidence of the presence of love. Love is, is more of a verb than a noun. It's an action. It's, it's what we do. It's how we are. It's our nature. Um, yes, I think love is also a, a thing, but it's more of an action than a thing. Mm. And I think we, we just, we're created to act. Mm. We are created, we come into this world as an active creation, as a response to creation, and it's our nature to create. It's our nature to, to share. 
Um, yeah, so I'm going to leave it there. I'm not quite sure if I answered the question, no, the original no, question. Yeah, but. that makes sense. Um, yeah, like love is not just a feeling, like you said. It's it's a verb, and what I got from that is like love takes work. You know, it. Yeah, yeah it's not just something. I mean, it takes work sometimes, um, but it feels like you might have to dig deep within yourselves and like make relationships and you know like talk with people and everything to to experience it more maybe yeah two things on that one is that i think the sense of love taking work is often not always mm -hmm. but often um the the result of having to do this love and receive love mm -hmm. through our woundedness mm -hmm. i mean we're 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 hurt all so many times Mm -hmm. And we've been disappointed, we've been taken advantage of, all sorts of things. And we've disappointed others and taken advantage of others. And that stays in our psyche. We know that we have betrayed people mm -hmm. in big ways and small ways, perhaps. But yeah. um, And so um, there's so much that that love has to um, work its way through all of that gunk. Mm -hmm. that, um, in the Buddhist way of thinking, it blinds us and we have to awaken we have to take off the blinders. We have to slowly open our eyes. So our loving in the giving and the receiving of it is often having to go through all of those layers that we put over ourselves that blinded us. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, is that I think um, maybe what we need to do is reframe our idea about work as it relates to love. What if it's not, what if we don't look at it as work? But it's, it's, um, it's action, mm -hmm. and action requires energy. And so it's an investment of energy, certainly. Um, but it doesn't have to be seen of as, oh, I got to go to work eight hours a day, and then I got to come home and I got to work on my relationship. I mean, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. But what if everything we do becomes an act of love in some way, mm. even when we're doing something hard? like telling someone the truth. I mean, look at what's happening in the world right now in the last few weeks since the murder of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. There are people on the streets who are saying enough already. We're echoing um, decades and decades and hundreds of years of people saying racism is wrong and it is, it's, it's killing us. Yeah. And this is an act of love people out on the streets saying we can no longer do this this is wrong this is an act of love is it work well in one way it is but in another way it's just the doing of the love and these people are loving in their actions in their protests in their letter writing in their marching mm -hmm. it's taking energy right. but is it work you could look at it that way or you could look at it as just it's the it's the love in action. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I feel like work definitely has some negative connotations, so I like the avenue of it's an action um, a lot. And um, you mentioned the George Floyd and all this activism happening. And when I was asking about earlier, like cynicism around love, I was just mm -hmm. thinking about how um, people have been responding differently 
to all the racism and systemic racism and everything that's happening in the world right now and how they might be dismissive of love as a response to that because it feels like sometimes love might be rece received as like, you know, love one another and it's kind of you know, like hippie um, yeah. and so people might dismiss it a bit more but I loved how you mentioned how love is an action. It's like standing up for people. It's like calling your politicians. It's like yeah, going to protest. It's, you know, it's supporting people and standing up for what is just and what is human. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love is sometimes soft and cuddly and warms us and we just we just want more and more of it, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's speaking the truth in a way that's going to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's love. I mean, mm -hmm. the, I guess the traditional example is the parent who's correcting a child to help them to become themselves in the world, um, that is an act of love. And we look at parents doing that and we know they're loving their kids. Well, that's what a lot of people, there's this wave of people right now who are in love saying to the United States, we are not being our best selves. We can do better than this. We are better than this. To me, that's what taking a knee uh, during uh, the playing of the national anthem was all about. It was a, mm -hmm. it was um, calling the United States to look at itself, to pay attention to itself, to love itself, mm -hmm. and to be its best self. If that's not a loving act, I don't know what is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. You know, love is sometimes hard and painful. Mm -hmm. That too is the nature of life. Everything... Um, is born and then it then it transforms and that transformation is hard and painful. I mean, look just physically our bodies when we're teenagers and going the growing pains mm -hmm. that a lot of people experience. That's that's part of growing. Yeah. It's not we we put this judgment on it that that's a bad thing and that that's a a sign of something wrong. Well, it seems to be when we look out into the world, it seems to be just a part of life. Mm -hmm. This 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 pain that's that goes along with growth yeah yeah i love that connection between love and growth and how um like like with life there's just peaks and valleys with it and love is kind of embedded in that as well yeah, yeah. i don't think it's enough to to go out in the streets right now and in response to the protests say let's love one another let's mm -hmm. let's all just just get along that's right. not enough Mm -hmm. Now, I do, I'm wrestling myself with the question of what's the most authentic um, thing I can do and what's the most authentic way that I can approach the changes that need to take place in this country? Is it for me to, to march or to join a sit-in or to write a letter or to write a book or an essay? Mm -hmm. um, and if, that's, if that is the best way, in what spirit do I do that? Do I do that out of anger and wanting to tear down or I do it? Will I do it out of this spirit of you and I are one, you racist people, you and I are one mm -hmm. and you are, are thinking in some ways that I too have thought and mm -hmm. sometimes still think you are a mirror image of me. And so mm -hmm. if I destroy you, I'm destroying myself. So maybe out of love, I'm going to take some action. But I do, I do think somehow, um, uh, um, and I love what uh, the, the Zen Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh says. He mm -hmm. says, anger is an energy 
that can bring about change in the world, but compassion is a much more powerful form of energy. And so listening to this wise one, one of the wisest people on the planet at this moment, I would be a fool not to think, well, if he's right, how should I then approach the hard work of bringing about the, the end of racism? Mm -hmm. So there is a connection here, I think, between what's happening in the streets and love. And love is an energy that's a part of what we're doing. And it's a part of um, maybe the motivation. Um, it's a part of the way that we do the work. Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to feel angry. It doesn't mean we're not going to get upset and that we're not going to um, uh, call out untruth. And um, it's not, we have to be courageous. Um, love requires courage. It's a courageous act to love. It really is. In a world like this, it is a courageous act to love. Why can you expand on that? Like why would it be courageous to love? Because I think there's so much pain in the world. Mm -hmm. And out of that pain, people are doing so many harmful things to each other that um to love is to make yourself vulnerable. Mm. It's to open up and say, You are my sister, you are my brother. And I'm not going to reject you. No matter what you do, I am not going to reject you. That person is not likely going to just melt right in front of us and say, oh, thank you. Right. It's, we're going we're gonna to get blowback. Mm -hmm. I mean, kneeling last year during the, um, the national anthem for a couple of games, I got tons of blowback, even though from my perspective, inspired by a 16-year-old young man at LaSalle, Jacob mm -hmm. Waterman, um, he started kneeling i and um uh, three of his three of his teammates knelt with him and then i joined them um to me that was an act of love uh and yet the world didn't see it that way many people in the world didn't see it that way there was tons of blowback mm -hmm. there were so many people who did not see what we were doing what colin kaepernick did what countless other people have done mostly black people yeah. um and they did not see it as an act of love. They saw mm -hmm. it as a challenge. They saw it as a slap in the face. They saw it as an offense. Love is not always going to be received in you know, beautiful ways. And so, yeah, to do the loving thing sometimes requires guts. Sad, but, but that's mm -hmm. the reality. Yeah. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I do have this um, I do have this intellectual belief that loving action does change the world. Mm. Uh, you can point to all sorts of the wise ones across time and see the effect of their loving in the world. Mm -hmm. um, you can also see the failures of their followers, many of their followers to continue that loving act. Um, but I also see it in um, the evidence in my own life, in the, the effects that I'm having on other people. I mean, you and I are sitting here talking about love, Emma, yeah. because of the love that you and I have shared with one another. And so this moment is I'm, – I'm getting teary right now thinking about you and I having this moment. This is worth it. If it's the only thing, this is worth it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sitting – um, a couple of rooms away from Rebecca, mm -hmm. whom I, I'm, I'm so in love with, 
<laughs> and absolutely, it's it's worth it. Um, but here's the other thing: what makes it worth it is deep down, as I'm loving and as I'm experiencing your love, I know this is my nature, and so I am being true to myself in the moment that I'm loving. So even if my loving doesn't bring an end to racism. Mm-hmm. I will have been true to myself in this moment and added to the mix what I have to offer. Mm. And then add that to everybody else's. And I, I choose to believe that in some way that's going to um, um, bring about more beauty or help us to discover our beauty. So, yeah, it's, it's worth it. Oh. Yeah. I'm tearing up right now, actually. I'm going to wipe away my tears now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because you yeah, asking that question, is it worth it? And yeah, it definitely seems like it's worth it. And um, I'm definitely feeling the effects of it right now. Um, I was, I was going to ask because it seems like the courageous part of love requires vulnerability, but some yeah. people might be really scared yeah. to, to do that. So um mm-hmm. Yeah, like how do you, I don't want to say get past it, but how do you accept that it's vulnerable and like yet still do it? Well, first I think it's to acknowledge that that um, fear, that resistance, mm-hmm. the vulnerability. Uh, again, going back to mindfulness in this moment, if that's what I feel, that's what I feel. If that's what I think, that's what I think. And that's what's true in this moment. And I accept it without any judgment. I don't beat myself up for feeling that way or thinking that way. I don't beat myself up for having the fear. Imagine uh, um, your little self coming to you and saying, Emma, I'm scared. And then you beat up this little child for being afraid. That's not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So why would we do that to ourselves in this moment? We do violence to ourselves when we tell ourselves, I shouldn't feel this way or I shouldn't think this way. So that's the first thing. Mm. Um, I think then it also, uh, uh, maybe next steps is taking small steps Mm -hmm. and building up this practice of taking the risk. Uh, You know, it's the traditional, the child doesn't start out running and the child's crawling and then gets up and takes a step and then falls down and then tries it again. And I mean, that image is so apropos to this, practice of of loving and making ourselves vulnerable is that we we take the little steps we owe it to ourselves to to um protect ourselves Mm. there are people out there who have been deeply deeply harmed when they've opened themselves up to love they would be foolish not to protect themselves not to be wary Mm -hmm. um the alternative though is to build up a wall and hide behind the wall and cut yourself off. We will starve, spiritually starve, psychologically, psychically starve if we cut ourselves off from the rest of humanity, from the rest of of the universe, from from life. We will starve. And so we've got to take the risks. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that every time we do it, we're going to succeed. Not at all. Sometimes we're still going to get hurt most of the time we're going to survive and we're going to realize I'm strong enough to survive. Mm -hmm. I can do this. It's in my nature to do this. 
the fact that I keep trying tells me there's something in me that wants to do this. So I can trust myself. I'll pull back when I need to, but I'll keep going forward. Mm. So I, I, I guess that's, that's the way to do it is to, to, to slowly start realizing this isn't going to, to kill me most of the time. It's not <laughs> going to kill me. So it's, I, I can, I can trust myself. Yeah. And it it's seems, the practice. Yeah, practice. And it seems like the more you practice love, the more you like create love. And um, yeah, so it'll be worth it. Um, I mean, even, even look at this scientifically, right? You need to look at the evidence. What does the evidence tell me? The evidence tells me that not only do I survive mm-hmm. most of the time, Although there are times where I, I didn't physically die, but it felt like I psychically died. Um, and that's, that's extremely painful. But in the end, somehow I, I came back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so the evidence tells me, my own evidence, I don't even have to look to Martin Luther King Jr.'s life or Gandhi's life or Mother Teresa's life. I look at my own life and I find the evidence that this, this makes sense. And so I keep, keep the practice up until... Um, I come up against evidence that, that proves I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So far, I haven't come up against that evidence. <laughs> yeah. And we're resilient. So, yeah. Keep on yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Good I, point. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about, like, love in relationships. And you have talked about Rebecca um, a few times and I've even though I've never met Rebecca or have even seen you two interact it's just so obvious that you just undeniably love her it is yeah yeah, it's yeah you it's just very very true that you love her Um, I was just wondering how do you how do you sustain that love Mm, there are lots of there are lots of dimensions to that mm-hmm. uh, sustaining. Uh, one is I continue to pay attention to her, and in paying attention to her, I'm loving her, mm-hmm. and in that in that attention, um, I show her that she is priceless. So I think that kind of of love that we get from other people um, affirms our goodness and our beauty. It's a way of affirming our goodness and beauty, and um, and so that's one of the ways that I I sustain our love is by continuing to actually love her. Um, sometimes that um, love gets sustained by having the hard conversations by telling each other things that we see that are troubling us. Mm-hmm. She calls me on all sorts of stuff. <laughs> uh, when, and sometimes it's when she sees me harming myself, she calls me on it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like in the beginning of this pandemic and the stay at home uh, um, order, um, we had, we had a, a, a challenge and that was that, uh, she expected that we were going to have a lot more time together, mm-hmm. that 
we had different expectations for what this stay at home was going to look like. And that was hard um, because I was responding to my work in um, a way that almost took more time than when I was just going to school every day. Mm. That's not what she expected. And I hurt her mm. by not being as attentive as, as um, she thought I was going to be. We had a few really hard conversations. So that's another way is just being really honest with each other. Okay. Not just in reflecting back the beauty that we see in each other and building each other up, but in reflecting back the things that aren't working very well, that aren't landing very well. Mm-hmm. Another way that I think is essential is taking care of myself. Actually, Rebecca and I, um, we met 25 years ago. Uh, And we started dating a couple of years after that. But we only lasted for about a year. And then she broke up with me. (laughs) And I think that uh, when we both look back at, at that time, and why we broke up, we have our own um, understandings of what it was that we needed to take care of. Basically, we both agree we weren't ready for each other. Mm-hmm. The fact that we loved each other even then is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Even when we broke up, we both loved each other. We, we didn't deny that, but we weren't ready for each other. One of the, the reasons that I wasn't ready was that I was completely, well, not completely, almost completely depending upon Rebecca Mm -hmm. to love me. I was depending on her to make me feel lovable and alive. I made her my life. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge burden to place on another person, and it's completely unfair. It was in response to that breakup and that, um, that, just tearing of my heart apart Mm -hmm. that I really started, I think coming to identify like more clearly that I wasn't loving myself very well. Mm. And when I realized that was true, that's when I really developed for myself, this touching of my own cheek Mm -hmm. and embracing myself with my own arms. I remember sitting at the end of my bed in my apartment when we weren't together anymore and just holding myself like this and touching myself in the way that Rebecca used to. Mm -hmm. So that taught me a lot about the importance of me genuinely loving and affirming myself and not depending upon my partner to do it for me. The fact that she does it for me now is, is gift that I can't, I can't, put into words how amazing, how beautiful, how life-giving it is. But she wouldn't be able to do that if I was constantly turning to her and say, love me, love me, show me one more time that you love me, affirm for me that you're not going to go away. So by learning to love myself, I was able to come back into this relationship eight years ago and be ready to be a partner in loving rather than just someone who's sucking her dry, needing her to make me feel lovable. Mm. So that's, those are some of the ways that I participate in sustaining this love between us. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I was, I was wondering, for the one hundred ways to love yourself, number one hundred two, is to record your favorite love story, and uh, yeah, I love that. And、um, I actually did it before I read the book, and I was just wondering, like, what your favorite love story is. It is my love story with Rebecca.、Um, is is number one. I mean,、uh, it's it's such a it's such a great story. It's a fun story to tell. It's it's、um, a gift to be living this love story. And and part of what makes it so beautiful is it it's unfolding. It's、mm. it's it's an ongoing story. It's like that. It's that endless story.、Um, and so. For that reason, it's it's my number one、uh, um, love story. But I I have to say,、uh, as soon as I started to share that,、um, what I sensed in my consciousness was this other love story, and that's that's just the the love story of this unfolding universe of life itself. To me, this this universe is this. It's the result of love, and it is. Making love,、mm-hmm. um, it, it, and it is it is constantly birthing、uh, um, new life that makes love with other life, which gives rise to other life. And to me, that is such an exquisite love story, and I get to witness it. Again, talking like like talking earlier about Mount Rainier or、uh, looking out into the night sky, I'm witnessing this this love making, and it's it's、mm-hmm. extraordinary. But the story with Rebecca that I'm living right now—it's—it's it's my one little, probably most intimate piece of this universal story of of making and creating love. Yeah, I see that. Definitely see that. <laughs> um, I was. Just, What's your favorite love story? My favorite love story. My favorite love story is、um, with my with my grandma because.、Oh. My when my mom was pregnant, she was super super sick, and so my grandma went over and stayed with my mom to help her out, and she's stayed with us ever since. So I've always had my grandma at home with me, and she just cherishes me so so much. And an instance that really affirmed that was, oh, it was this past winter break. And I was just a block away exercising, and it was like 10 p.m. And my grandma was just so so concerned about me, even though I was just a block away, that she had to pester my sister to text me to like come home. And I was nearing the end of um of it anyway, so I decided to come home. And I opened the door, and when she heard the door jingle, she was so relieved. I opened it, and she just. Went over and she、um, grabbed my hand and she hugged me and she was just like, "Oh, I'm so 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 relieved that you're here with me." And I was just so worried about you. I had a headache, and I was just like, "She, she was just so concerned about me, and she would just loved me so much." And、um, she just kept on saying like, "I love you, I love you." And then we moved over to the kitchen and we started hugging. And she just kept on saying how、um, she's loved me like my entire life, and how she used to sing me lullabies when I was younger. And she kept on saying 
like you're my little nugget of gold and um, I love you so much. And I just kept on looking at, at the microwave clock and then five minutes went by and we were still hugging each other in 10 minutes until we were hugging each other for 30 minutes. And I've never wow. hugged, yeah, I've never hugged anybody for that long. And she just kept on repeating like, I love you. And I think she said, I love you more times in that you know, block of time and I've heard my entire life. And it was just, I just felt so full. And I remember thinking, mm. I just remember thinking like this, this is what love feels like. Um, and like that action of loving. And uh, it was just like so, so incredible that I will never forget it. And um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. What a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that I encourage people to um, to tell those stories, write those stories, record them, dance them, however they they want to do it, is that we inspire each other when we tell those stories. We we nourish ourselves, mm -hmm. and we remind ourselves of the power of love, and then we we inspire others. So listening to that story has just filled my heart. <laughs> so now it's gifting me. You were the one holding um, each other for, for 30 minutes in front of that mm -hmm. microwave. But I'm, my heart's overflowing now just oh. knowing about it. Oh, that's, so sweet. that's the nature of love, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Entirely so, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I, I just want to express now that thank you so much for having like this conversation. And oh, yeah, I feel... I feel really great right now knowing that we're able to share this and like talk about love and yeah, it's just wonderful. It's such an honor, Emma. I really appreciate our connection and that we get to, to share this moment and, and this is a loving act. Absolutely. It's one I'm going to, I, I cherish and I'm going to keep cherishing it until I die. <laughs> Or, or get Alzheimer's and forget. But. <laughs> right. Um, if, if you don't mind, I was hoping to ask one more question. Yeah. Okay. So, so in the book, you talk about going back to Notre Dame, and I think you sat in during a final for one of your professors. And um, the prompt for the final was, if I must die, or if I must someday die, what can I do to fulfill my desire to live? Yeah. I mean, what a question. Yes. Yeah. And I was just wondering, um, like, what your answer to that is. First, let me tell you that um, I went to visit John Dunn, uh, mm -hmm. my professor, in 2008 so i i responded to that prompt in 1984 mm -hmm. i went back and sat in on one of his classes what is that 24 years later funny funny thing is one of my um uh, one of the high school students that i taught was now a student in that class um and that day he passed out the uh it was actually a uh, a midterm and he passed out the prompt for their midterm. It was the exact same question. Now, some people might look at that and say, dude, 
Um, can't you come up with something <laughs> else? But when you got a question like that, mm-hmm. stick with it. Yeah. I don't remember what I wrote when I was a, a 21-year-old mm-hmm. senior in college. I, I don't remember what my answer was. Mm-hmm. My answer now is is really to do um, what I'm doing right now to the best of my ability. One is to um, be love in the world, to not just do loving acts, but to be that loving act in the world. Um, So wherever I go, I am bringing that presence, that energy. That's um, one of the ways that I do that. But uh, another and related way is for me to continue that inner exploration. I have this this, um, sense that we look out into the night sky and we get a sense of the infinity of this universe. And we haven't found the edge of it. It's that vast out there. But that vastness out there reflects the vastness within my own being. My own being, some people call it soul, some people call it self, whatever term you use, I have a sense of it as as a doorway into the vastness of all that is. And so if I go inward to explore my own self, my own nature, my own history, um, my own emotions and thoughts, then I'm, I'm exploring that, that universe. And what I discover there on that journey um, is, is like the treasure on that, that um, hero's journey that I then bring back to my life, to my wife, to my friends, my family, my students, to the people that I march next to and will never see again on the streets for a Black Lives Matter uh, uh, march or sit-in. Those, those um, insights, um, uh, um, I can then serve the world. But here's what I also find, um, and that is I see where I am not yet, um, or where I, I am um, the presence of things that are keeping me from being holy myself. And if I, I can identify the ways in which I am still um, wounded or I'm still wounding others, then I can... I now can do something to heal that. I can name it and heal it. Mm. So I'm going to have to die someday. Until that moment or until I'm no longer able to, I'm going to continue that inner exploration to try to unpack more of my own loving essence. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just so that I can um, feel it, but so that I can give it out into the world and then at the end of my life, I can say, damn, what a great ride. I gave it my all. I left it all on the field and I have no regrets. You know, I want to be able to get to that moment where I can say, I've lived well. And then go off into whatever is next, you know, after this life. 